Welcome to the Ruby Hour, a podcast produced by our company, Ruby Riot Creatives. We specialize in video production and content marketing, and we're based in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm Shelby Ring. And I'm Madeline Rager. This podcast is devoted to interviewing extraordinary people doing extraordinary things and nuggets of wisdom that they've learned along their journey. Also, just want to give you a heads up, uh, we have potty mouths and we're talking about inappropriate things. Right, so thank you so much for joining us for another session of the Ruby Hour, where we feature extraordinary people doing extraordinary things and the journey, and they got them to where they are today. I have the amazing Hillary Johnson, the founder, uh, genius behind Hatch Tribe. It is an amazing uh, women entrepreneur, like boss babe hub here locally and expanding rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Oh Happy to be here. my gosh. So for those of you that don't, if people don't know who you are yet and yeah. what you do, give us the quick pitch of like, where did Hatch Tribe come from? Yeah. I mean, really, my Hatch Tribe is all about supporting women entrepreneurs as they grow their businesses. And it very much was born out of my own journey. You know, I came out of a corporate background and was, you know, doing that thing, like climbing the corporate ladder and living that version of a dream. And when I started my very first business about 10 years ago, I'm like, man, it's really a whole other ball game, and you need a different type of support. And when I looked around at, at, at Charleston, the city I was living in, I'm like, we don't have the right resources for that. And especially as women and so what I saw was a real opportunity to create something to make it easier uh, for women to connect and get the right resources as they're growing their businesses. Mm. Well I know (laughs) that I mean I think that I stumbled upon Hatch Tribe from a friend of a friend a little over three years ago pretty sure and um, you know I was like what like I just remember walking into one of the first um, you know I think it was a like a happy hour social and seeing that people were wearing you know all these women had these cute stylish things it just appealed to me of this is a um an artistic like spicy environment where people are comfortable to be themselves and um I mean how did that start practically though like were you like hey guys let's get together and try this like how did it really get the momentum I mean you do events now and it gets packed out like yeah how did that start yeah I mean initially it was just that it was that you know I was running another business I was producing festivals and events and so I I was seeing that there was this real opportunity to bring entrepreneurs together but I didn't know what that meant yet and Mm -hmm. so I did what you do always when you're building a business which is you just start by asking questions and and that was the question I went on Facebook and I said hey like I'm just curious for those of you that are women entrepreneurs would you have any interest in like getting together and maybe just I don't know doing what like would you want to do it the answer was yes like an Mm -hmm. emphatic yes and so the very first time we held a live event we there were so many RSVPs we had to cap attendance we're like we're not going to have room to do this and so a bunch of women showed up it was at a co-working space that unfortunately is no longer here but a bunch of women showed up and then I just asked questions I'm like what's the hardest part about being a business owner or what do you love about it or what's the support you wish you had And it really started by just asking our community, what do you need? Um, And then really following that trail. But yeah, we've always kind of approached it as like, come as you are. And I think that that's what's needed. You know, not every business owner is gonna want to grow to multi-million dollars and then have an exit. And that is one pathway, certainly. 
But there's a lot of other businesses that are not building that type of structure and that type of business. And so our perspective is like, it doesn't matter. I don't really care what type of business you're building, but I want you to be successful doing it and like just show up, just Mm -hmm. be here. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it is like the most supportive environment too. And I love, um, why, like, what's your take? I know that you're passionate around, I mean, you're, I feel like you're just embodying, like, supporting women. And what is the role, you think, of, like, women having business? And big picture, like, why does that matter in America, in our economy? Like, share a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think if you you look back and you just, like, take 100 years and you think about how much has changed for women in the span of 100 years. I mean, if you backed up and you looked at, like, my great-grandmother, she had to go work when she was, like, in sixth grade because basically her dad dropped dead on the corner in, like, downtown Asheboro where they grew up. And, like, she and her sister had to go to work. Mm. And that was allowed at that point in time and then you fast forward a generation and here's my grandmother who at like age 16 17 18 was already going to work she was married by the time she was 18 and she had her first child in like her early 20s and like she was living in a different era you fast forward to my mother born in 1954 you know she's had a different upbringing I was the first kid out of that entire stretch that went to college to like wow. a four years so you know you just look at like as women a lot has changed over the course of time and I think that career is one of those places where we've continued to see a lot of gaps, not only in pay disparity, but also in what women are choosing to do, but also where they're really supported to do that work. And mm. to, to me, I look at it like there's still a lot of work to be done to really bring uh, women at parity with men, you know, globally. And of course, I think what we want to say is like that all humans are equal. Yeah. Um, but I think that there are still really gaps between genders. And I look at it like we we have responsibility from the ground up to do that. And in my view, entrepreneurship is a gateway through. It's like if we really can build a business and can make it profitable, money means you have choice. And that choice really allows you to build the life that you want. And so if you look at women's rights broadly, and you say, okay, now this woman's earned her own income. She now has the ability to choose. And if that's staying in a relationship or exiting a relationship, she can mm-hmm. do it. She can afford to do it. Or if it's you know putting her child into private school versus being in a public school that's not serving her child, she can do that now. You know, so there's we have choice when we earn money. And so I look at it like this is something that that we can affect at the ground level. We don't have to wait for somebody else to bestow it upon yeah. us. Yeah. It's so powerful where it's not from what you're born into, Mm-mm. where you came from. It's where do you want to go? Yeah, it's a great equalizer. I mean, mm-hmm. truly, because anybody can do it. I mean, and I, I believe that. Like, yes, there are people who have a a uh, some skill sets that are stronger coming in. But yeah. like, truly, anybody can create something and sell something. Yeah. And that's a business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like finding things that you love and then how can I find a demand for it. How can I find a service with it? So, okay, I want to take it way back with you. And like when you were in elementary school, middle school, high school, are there things that you noticed about your personality? Were you drawn to certain things? Were you drawn to like you loved sticky notes? Like walk (laughs) me back to like who you were growing up and where you see those parallels today. Yeah, it's funny. I Not a lot is really the answer, which is like, it's kind of ironic looking back. But, you know, as a kid, like I grew up dancing. I didn't think I was going to do anything but dance. And so the up until I was, you know, in late high school, that's 
all I did. You know, so I thought that my career was going to be like going off to New York and dancing professionally. That was what I was doing. What kind? Like what kind of dance? Contemporary dance. And I still, of course, had to do ballet because like you always had to have like the structure. But, you know, it was like, ugh, I hated ballet class. Okay. Um, But yeah, that's what I was doing. And so... You know, if you'd asked me, like, leaving high school, what I thought I would do is, like, I was kind of falling out of love with dance. It was, like, still in my head, like, I'll do something in the arts because that's how I'd grown up. Like, my parents had exposed me to so much culturally that exposed me to, like, every art museum we could go to. We traveled a lot. There was, like, always, like, some kind of history lesson of some sorts, like, wherever we went. And so, you know, that was all I knew. Um, But I found myself in college kind of looking around at me like, what the heck do I do now? And then it it led another path. But I guess backing up to really answer your question, I think the things that do stand out when I look back is like, I'm an only child and I was raised uh, to be pretty independent. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it sort of comes with the territory. Like you don't have other people that you're hanging out with. So you're kind of always doing things on your own. And I think in many ways that served me well. Like when I look at the parallel between like that time in my life and now it's like, I can function really well in like leading and taking something on and like doing it independently because I always did, Mm. you know, I was doing that from like such a young age and it just came naturally. And it was, it was really fostered by my parents being like, yeah, what do you want to do? Go do it. And there there was just like, what do you mean you can't do something? That was just never part of the conversation. That's So. so cool. And like, yeah, the type A thing. I think of we had one of our friends that's a wedding planner and she's like, I always was drawn to like structure. I always loved yeah. being able to create, um, you know, like she was just, that was in her. And it's yeah. so cool the way that it blossomed with her. Um, I want you to share your experience of you're, you're in such a, a supportive role for I feel like so many people and so many women, I really perceive you to be almost like a pace car, like in Charleston, you know, of really, you're like, look, ladies, like, here's the tools, here's the resources, you know, you're just mm-hmm. a hub of like connecting, but that's, that's holding a lot of space, a lot of weight for people. How do you balance that space energetically mm-hmm. with like taking care of Hillary? That was a great question. Um, <laughs> I mean, with practice, I think is really the answer. You know, it, initially, you know, when you're, what, I do a lot in my business. You know, the Hatch Tribe as an a organization serves women that are all across the U.S., some outside of the U.S., and, and that that's different energetically, certainly, like people who are part of our member circle, that feels different energetically than it does working one-on-one with a client. And, you know, working one-on-one in a coaching type of relationship, I mean, I'm in very much in the weeds of their life and in their business and in their mindset. And, you know, as a as a practice, I do have to learn how to stay to some degree, like detached from them going through their own experience. And so it's like, I do want to help them and I want them to grow, but it's kind of the old analogy of like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And so I'm, I'm often reminded that. And many times I will want something so badly for my client, but they haven't come to their own realization or recognition of that next step. And in my process of that is really stepping back and letting them get to that because they have to have their own aha. And if they don't, they're not really going to implement the work or it's not going to stick for very long. You know, so as a as a coach, it's like my great joy is in letting them come to their own evolution, but guiding them to get them there and then really filling them with the right tools and resources to help them get to that next level of growth. Mm. So it's a fun process, but it's really organic. And I think, you know, 
Um, I wouldn't say like self-care is like sort of this second bucket. I mean, that's big. And I think as a business owner, I wouldn't say I link directly like the the one-on-one work or any of it being like necessarily depleting. I would say it's more like running a business and trying to do what I'm trying to accomplish is a it's big. And I work a lot. I mean, there's it's not uncommon for me to put 60 or 80 hours in a week easily. Yeah. And so it does become a question of like, all right, how am I making sure I'm taking care of myself? And, you know, some weeks I do better than others. Yeah. Some weeks I don't. I mean, just to be frank. (laughs) Yes. No, I love that. And it's like, I feel like just hearing that is like such a breath of fresh air for, I know, myself and so many people where you're like, I'm going on two weeks of dry shampoo, you know, like whatever the, the, I just, I appreciate the humor and the like down to earth (laughs) elements you bring to like, you know, for so many women that are launching businesses, Mm -hmm. this is the first time they're trying to figure it out. And those practical things around, um, you know, like I have to have an accountant. How do I set up my business? How do I get Mm -hmm. these things rolling? How do I scale? Like, what the heck do I do with social media? All these messes, like you have such a practical approach. Um, Where did you have along your journey were you, what were those moments? How did you handle those, like what might be perceived as roadblocks where you're like, I don't know how how to get there. Mm -hmm. What the, what do I do? Those moments of like, impossibility (laughs) you know what what was your journey with that yeah I mean I I think the truth is they never go away and so I think that's the right place to start this conversation is like you don't suddenly get to a moment in in building a business or in life I think at large where suddenly like all obstacles are removed yeah it's still gonna show up. It's just you get better at sort of navigating through them because you see your own bullshit. Like you see the behavior that you loop back into. And so the the one that I joke is like, I step into chicken little, you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, the sky is falling, you know? And I can start Mm -hmm. like just really um, spinning. And then you ruminate, you know, it's, it's like the rumination of like, oh my God, and I'm obsessing about this thing, but like while that's happening, what I'm not doing is taking action, you know, and and what we know, and obviously as business owners, like you're not gonna think your way to the other side of that shit, like you have to do it. Yeah. You're gonna have to do the work, right? So typically if like I'm running up against a roadblock, all those limiting beliefs are showing up, I'm having like all the symptoms of that, the like putting it off, procrastinating, rumination, like all of it, um, then it often for me, me manifest in like showing up in my kitchen and like digging through the cabinets and like looking for like something that's going to give me an answer. Yeah. Like where is that thing in the refrigerator that solves my problem? Yeah. Um, so sometimes I will eat and I will still not find that problem. Yep. You know, right? Yep. Uh, I'll sleep it off. I'll take a bath. I'll try to get it there. I'll you try all the shit. And then at some point you're like, you know what? I need to do what I've always known and that's take action on it. Hmm. And so to me, it's just like back it all the way up. All right. One thing. What's like one fucking thing? One thing, I'll go do that and I'll figure it out. And like sometimes you have to pep talk yourself into that stuff. Like there are just days and, and I think especially like the bigger the project and the more you recognize the gap between like your current state and where you really want to be. Yeah. Like you have to pull it way back down. And I think that's where we get caught up is we're so impatient. Like we want this now. Yeah. Yeah. But we're back here and it's yeah. like, dude, you're not going to hop in like one giant leap over to this new state. Like we actually have to do this one thing and it's it's here. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Well, can you do that one thing? Yeah, I can do that one thing. Yeah. The that's snack of it rather than, like, I'm not going to end up there. I don't know how to get there. Yeah. That's like, so, you figure it out. That's so practical. It's all going to start here. You're still yeah. going to have to do this, like, one little first step. What are some daily routines, some things that, like, you recognize in your life? You're like, when I wake up, mm-hmm. I do this, this, this. Or I shut my day down, I do this, this. What are some daily things that you can look at and be like, yeah, that's that's grounded me. Yeah. I mean, I think one, and I I suspect a lot of people probably answer this way, I do believe physical movement is critical because I think as business owners, we're prone to getting real headspacey. Yeah. And if we're all living in here, we have to break that. And so for me, like right now, I'm doing a morning workout, which I'm really enjoying, but I've also done it in the afternoon. So to me, it's not necessarily about time of day, but it is about shifting energy. And so I think it's like getting a breakthrough on that is huge because oftentimes when we're hitting a wall, it's like we really need to move and and that is big so it's like don't put it off even though you feel so busy and so consumed like i have to do it often those answers that you need are going to come in the space in between and like Mm -hmm. go out for a walk like that answer may show up when you finally let go and like stop trying to like actively get it um i will say another thing too and and this is a practice that i really love is i like to start my day by really setting an intention for what i want to be like that day so it's like the mindset Like, what's the mindset I'm bringing into my day? So let's just assume, like, if you've had that day where you're like, I spun out of control the day prior and you're like, oh, man, I like I can't come back in and like go through this vortex of crazy. So you may set an intention when you get up that says like "Mm, today, like, I just want to do one thing at a time. Today, I'm going to do one thing at a time. I'm just going to work on one thing. I will focus on one thing at a time. And mm-hmm. I just set that intention before I get any further. And I write it down like, yeah. in my journal. And then I practice that throughout the course of the day. So it's like if I start spinning out, my like, uh-uh, Hill. Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. You told yourself that today you were going to do one thing. Stop. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll talk out loud to myself. Cool. I don't care. Cool. You know, just pep talk yourself. you got to do it. Like, break break the train of thought. Wow. Um, and I think in the evening, to me, it's about recognizing the steps you've made. And and we get our, we're really good at expressing gratitude for like those in our life. Like I'm grateful for you and for my mom and for my house and for my dog. But what we don't often express gratitude is for ourselves. And to me, that's the, really the more important part. And especially when you're trying to achieve this like big thing in your life, mm-hmm. it's recognizing the steps you've made. So if you can look back and say, like, you know, today I'm really grateful that I did take that one little tiny step that was here on the way to my goal. Or like today I had that that conversation that was really hard with an employee. Or like today I sent that email that I've been putting off all week. And I'm recognizing all those things that I've done mm-hmm. that are contributing to my growth. And that really keeps you motivated because then instead of looking at it and seeing the gap between like where you are and where you want to be, you're now looking at like the progress you're making. You're like, hell yeah. Yeah. I got some shit done. And you're like, I'm building a little mountain over here. Mm-hmm. Like every day counting those wins. That's yeah. like so practical. And yet what a, I mean, you're building your own powerhouse generator of like, look, here's my yeah. facts. It's like a muscle you're strengthening. Yeah. Of, here is my progression. Here's that, mm-hmm. you know, the one thing at a time. And I'm going towards, because I find in my life as well that, I'm like, there's so many different moving parts. And at the end of the day, I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? (laughs) Did I just like, I'm like, I wanted to book that Airbnb to have this experience this weekend. And instead I did a sales call, meetings over here, some like rando emails, I called eBay, like what am I doing? Mm -hmm. So 
seeing like that pattern to get you where you actually want to go versus putting out fires and living reactively. Without a doubt. And I think it's just like, it's our human nature to focus on that which we don't have instead of that which we do. You know, so Mm -hmm. it's, we'll focus always on the part of the to-do list that was not done as opposed to the part that was done. And, you know, so me, it's really about like shifting that inner working so that we really are just recognizing, man, yeah, you made some progress. And I I think a kind of a good way to look at it is like if you thought about yourself as like a four-year-old, like how would you encourage that four-year-old? Are you going to be like, look at, you didn't get all that shit done on your to-do list. You're such a loser. I mean, would you ever say that to a four-year-old? Of course not. You'd be like, oh my God, yeah. Look, you got this done and this done and this done high fives. It's like treating yourself that way because it's like, we need that. We, We really need that encouragement, but we often need it from ourselves. Whoa, that's like, take that to the bank. I love it. Okay, um, I have to brag on you a second because being somebody that's like in, you know, we meet, you know, every other week, all this stuff, being in each other's orbit, I got to brag on your experience of like, you are so good at going and doing like impromptu, like even, you know, this uh, recording, of course, but like you're like Facebook live game, your Instagram live. How the fuck do you figure out how to speak eloquently and you're not using a lot of filler words? Uh, were you always like that? Did you do something that helped you become more successful? Um, where have you been on the spectrum of being in in a public eye? Because to me, I perceive social media to be you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. You know, you're saying things that people could, uh, you know, you could incriminate yourself. Or, sure. So what's been your, your journey with that? I mean, it, it's really a lot of practice. It's like I, I, I can't look back and say like, there was a moment where it started to feel more natural. It feels more natural now than it did before. But I do think, I mean, it's like with everything, you you just simply get better the more you do it. And Mm -hmm. I think the key is like, you just keep showing up. I think what often prevents us from doing it early on is like we're we're afraid. Like we're afraid of being judged. We're afraid of how it looks. I mean, and judgment I would say is probably the biggest issue in that arena. Um, we're afraid of putting ourselves out there. It's like, what are people gonna think? Operating in a business, however, you really have to show up regardless. Like, it's not your business to worry about what other people think. I mean, yes, you wanna be solving something for them because that's how we sell them something, right? So it's a solution, we're problem solving. But in the day, we're not trying to please everybody with everything we do. So, you know, if you need to show up and do Facebook Lives, show up and do Facebook Lives. You gotta show up though. Mm. And like, you're gonna get better at them the more you go. you know, and like I do speaking, you know, arrangement or speaking gigs now, and I love that work, you know, and, and they're, those are much longer talks, you know, they're longer than doing like five minutes on a video, yeah. you know, and those I practice for, you know, and I, I just I'll always come back to that. Like, if you want to be really good at it, you're just going to have to put in the hours. And I don't think it's always 10,000 hours. I mean, people throw that number around a lot, but you're going to have to put in the hours to become mm-hmm. really good. And I think, you know, we're just... We're impatient. We're really impatient. Like we want what that person has and we want it fucking now. Yeah. And so that sucks because when you're in that position, you know, you're really short selling yourself and like short changing the work that you have to do. And it's, you gotta, you gotta do the work. Mm. So good. (laughs) What about your, have you run into anybody that's given you opposition of 
you know, just speaking about particular topics or, I mean, I don't know, haters. Do you have some? <laughs> I'm sure I do. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I do. I don't give it a lot of uh, credence, though. Like, I don't focus on it too much. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And I don't need to be. Mm. You know, the, the right people are going to be attracted to our company, to our organization, and to me. And if they're not the right fit, I hope they find the person who is, and that's cool. Were you always in that headset? That's like the Buddha of, like, entrepreneurism. Like, no, <laughs> I was not. I've been through a few things on that, for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, initially, like... When we were producing festivals and events, I looked at every review we always got. Hmm. And I would read those negative reviews and it would pain me so. And I'd be miserable, absolutely miserable. But just, I, you know, my mom, she was really like, Hillary, you're not gonna be able to please everybody. And and that is real. Hmm. Like it, it doesn't matter in what arena of your life you were in, you will not please everybody. So I, th I think the sooner you can really embrace that, it's like you, you were then disattaching, I don't even know if that's a word, Where detaching. Yeah, we're starting to detach from like other people's opinion and we have to we can't control that the only thing you can control is you so like you do you don't worry about whatever the fuck they're doing it's not your business yeah. I mean it's legit not your business I think that that's amazing that to recognize um, I think I, I had a pastor in my life that told me uh, what people say behind your back is none of your business and mm -hmm. I love that that's such a challenge as someone when you are offer, you know, when you're a business owner or you're in business or, mm -hmm. you know, you're in sales even, and you're supporting a cause and a product that you're looking to, uh, you know, promote and grow, that there is almost that likability factor mm -hmm. of, oh, no, like I got to have like everyone's opinion there. Yeah. We tend to assign weight to what's around us. And I know in our own branding, you know, like we've got our like pin-up ruby girl behind us that's like <laughs> it you know to to speak and stand in the strength of what is your culture what is you know the message who are the people that matter yeah. and learn how to get strong and standing in that mm -hmm. rather than appeasing everyone because totally. that's the uh mile wide one inch deep approach yeah. which i want you to go into right now because i have totally quoted you speaking with other people around this a good theory one. and fucking like <laughs> just like break that down what is the difference between uh being a mile wide and an inch deep versus mm -hmm. an alternative okay i love this and and uh, to be fair i learned this from someone but i couldn't tell you who but whatever yes but the idea is that, you know, in our lives, we only have so much bandwidth, right? So if we talk about it in a business context or in our lives, it doesn't really matter. Like you only have so much bandwidth, time, energy, money to really put at the things you want to do. And for those of us who are um, goal prone, we love goals, we love <laughs> dreams, we get a little shiny object yeah. syndrome. Yeah. We tend to add a lot to our plate. So you just keep adding. So if we just talked in the construct of business, what most of us will do is just add, 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 or like, I want to keep doing this. And what starts to happen is when we look back over a, a, a time frame, say a couple of months, we can recognize we're not really getting very far. Like we have, we're working 10 goals mm. at a time. And so what we notice is we're getting like about an inch deep and a mile wide on all of them. Like we're really not getting anywhere. So it's like one of them, maybe you get like this far. And then the next one you're like, I made a little further progress. This one you're like, oh shit, didn't even have time for, didn't have time, didn't have time. Oh, a little bit, little, oh, a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. 
Conversely, if we really want to like get after it and we really want to see results, what I suggest is narrow the field, which means we do have to go through the process of like ruthlessly editing out. So instead now of pursuing 10 goals at a time, we pull it down. I always say good with three, like three to me is a good number because it gives you enough room to play a little bit. Um, but it's not like one, because we always have more complexity in our businesses. And it's not like five, because you're never going to get to five. I mean, just being totally real with you. So now what we say is like, we're going to go about an inch wide, but a mile deep. Mm -hmm. Because if we're working on like, if it just take one goal, if we sit on one goal for the next month, you're only going to work on one thing. How far can you move the ball? Yeah. You can move it. Yeah. In a big way, because you're not distracting yourself with like these 800 other shiny objects. And so it requires discipline, though. And that's the thing. Like you have to be disciplined to go through and edit out and give some things like a this is not happening. This is not happening right now. Like it might mm. happen later. Um, this is like if I finish those other things, y'all yeah, come do it. But you got to do that. Like and that's on you. You have to edit that. So Nobody else can. What about how that applies to clients? Mm -hmm. Because like this is resonating with me <laughs> in, in a chapter that we are with coming into, you know, we're wrapping up 2019, uh, you know, blazing into 2020. And yeah, the uh, the client, um, the 20% of clients that cause 80% of mm -hmm. the energy suck or the energy drain. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, when you're thinking of clients or products that are offered, how do you maneuver through the human element of if you have to say no to someone that you previously have been saying yes to, mm -hmm. how do you figure out how to maneuver the delicate terrain? Yeah. I mean, I think it's about having like real open and honest conversations with a client or or really anybody. You know, it's like, all right, cool. Like, what are all the things I want to hear from? What are, what are all the things you really want to work on? And you say, okay, cool. So let's just talk this through. In your mind, what's priority one? Help me decide. I want to know like where your head's about this. So we want to give them the opportunity to share with us how they're prioritizing it. And then we say, okay, cool. Like I understand where your head's at. So I feel like realistically our company or the way we can best serve you is in this way. Now, this is what it's probably going to take this length of time. So I want to help manage your expectations. And that's really like when we're developing those relationships with our clients, we're always managing expectations. So I think that's really the key is like have an open conversation and don't say yes to everything with the assumption it's all coming in at one. It's kind of like, all right, let's tease it apart. I feel you. I can help you with all of that if you can. And then it's like, let's peel it apart. What's mm. what's priority number one? Like first thing you want to get done. Okay, cool. Let me build a timeline for that. What's priority two? Let's build a timeline. Now we start seeing where it all kind of comes together. And then if they don't like what it looks like, now you have the ability to go back and rediscuss it. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, maybe priority one wasn't one because now you're recognizing like, shoot, two is going to take so much longer. We need to get on two. Mm -hmm. What about if you've said yes and you're like, oh, yeah, I have an ongoing service with you, an ongoing thing. And you're like, you know, if it's a coaching client, for example, yeah. and then you're like, Oh, gosh, like this is um, they're not doing that work, right? You're bringing mm -hmm. them to the water and they do, they're not mm -hmm. drinking. And you're recognizing maybe if you have 20 hours to give to yeah. coaching clients and you have to shift and maybe it's I can't have you as a client. What would that look like? How do you literally offload <laughs> some scenario like that of a client or a service offering, a product yeah. offering? How do you maneuver? I think it's the exact same thing. You know, we, we will 
I mean, as humans, the nature is like we avoid discomfort. And and what we're talking about is it's uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. being in a in a relationship with yeah. a customer. Kind of breaking up. You can't. Yep. It's that energy of like, it's Ooh. not you, it's me, but really it's you. I don't know. Yeah. And it, it, it again comes back to like, we want to manage the expectation. Now, if you've gotten to the point working with someone where you're like, I sincerely cannot meet their expectation anymore and I can't serve them anymore, really the best thing you can do is just say, hey, listen, like, I think think we've gotten to a point now where I'm just not going to be able to continue to serve you in the mm. in the best way possible for your business. And I think we need to work towards ramping down. Like we need to find our way to like to get you another solution because I, I'm not sure I can do it. So it, it's open conversation, but it's it's uncomfortable conversation. And I think, you know, we avoid discomfort, but to our detriment. And and I think as a business owner, you know, it's it's that is our job. I mean, it is legitimately our job yeah. uh, to have hard conversations and, and to be in, in many cases uh, consulting with the people we work with to really find a solution or to say, you know, respectfully, I just don't know that, like, we're going to be able to meet your expectations. Yeah. What about for if I've, this has been really rocking my world recently of the client that you that is an energy suck, but mm-hmm. you're scared of losing the revenue? Oh, you know, this person, I'm a hairdresser and I've got this one person, but they come in and they pay well, but then they're taking two to three times more of my effort, more time. They're rebooking any of that. What advice would you give for someone that's on the fence between I have a client, my big end result of where I want to be? I don't picture them being in that picture. They're not there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm scared in this growth right now with my business to drop that money and say that money isn't, yeah. you know, uh, we don't, we're not wanting to go that way. How would you help someone maneuver through that? Yeah. So I think, I mean, we, I would say most business owners find themselves in that position at some point in time. And it happens for so many good reasons, you know, especially in the beginning of your business, like you need to make money and you're taking on so many clients and you don't know if they're the right fit yeah. or not, but you're like, somebody said yes. Yes. Hell yeah. Yes. And you're going after it and trying to figure it out. And then later you're like, oh shit, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this or meet the need or whatever. Um, other times, like we knowingly take on work that we know we're still not gonna be, like we're not the best fit. I hear it from people all the time. They're like, I knew it, I could see it from a mile away. I knew I shouldn't have taken this client on. So there we start to learn to trust our gut. But I would say one is not all money is good money. Like we really have to recognize that. Two is that, which the situation you're referring to is really a limiting belief around money. Is that like, oh, it's scarce. I'm never going to be able to make it. I'm never going to make this up. That's fear. You know, that's the limiting belief around money being scarce where fear is sitting in the sister pocket. It's hanging out with us and it's like, I'm not going to be able to do it. So I don't know. You know, it, it can you let the client go and can you go find another one? I would say so. But there's probably going to be some fear about it. And I think it's really understanding the situation you're in. Like if you absolutely need to pay some bills and like you're going to go upside down and this is not something you can afford to do, then I would say mission one is going and finding new business Mm. because you can replace that client, but it's not going to replace the fact that you have to go get new business. And, And really, that's going to be the same solution on the other side. Even if you cut bait with the client, your order of business is to go get new business. And so this is why... 
I always say this, and you'll hear it in just about every effing video I record, is like the two most important things you will do in your business are sales and marketing. And that doesn't change. It doesn't matter how long you've been in business. So, you know, we will always default to the things that feel easier. What typically is not easy for people is sales and marketing. They will avoid it and avoid it and avoid it. And guess what you don't have if you're not doing that? The money and money. Yes, yes. So, like, we can create <laughs> shit all day long. You can drum up a service, come up with a product, have this thing you want to sell. But if you haven't gone out and pitched it to anybody, or marketed it, or promoted it, and made these connections, it won't matter. Yeah, it truly doesn't matter. And so, the longer you avoid it, the longer you're really developing the skill set. And so, it's like go all in, like go start figuring it out, and like you get better over time. But by God, you got to do it. Yeah. So, like, don't put it off. And so, in this scenario it's like your your order of business on either coin is to sell go find new clients market your business how did you learn how to sell <laughs> my first job uh, right out of college well I've had interesting maybe even before that but my first job right out of college oh fuck hey, let's back up I sold Cutco knives when okay. I was in okay. okay by the way I still have those Cutco knives so like just to give be them clear, a plug girl take the um, reins I was I was 20 years old when I was selling those and I'm 40 now so I still have those knives in my cabinet and they still cut so okay 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 okay, Cutco. Um, okay. so my first job right out of my I have a hair with this on my get head. it out of there okay um <laughs> my first job out of college was working for a wine importer now I thought oh this is sexy I get to go sell the wine Ooh, you know ew. yeah but it was a sales job mm-hmm. like I had to roll up into distributors and try to sell it there I had to roll up into like restaurants and try to sell it there so I mean, really, first job, like right out of college. Then I worked for a TV station, had to sell advertising. Boy, I tell you, selling wine's a hell of a lot more fun than selling advertising, but I did that. Uh, Then my next job was working in the beer business, also in a sales role, and doing the same thing as in the wine business. You know, you're out at retail accounts and selling it there, and you're working with your distributors and developing relationships. So I would say I got a lot of training, like really, really early on, that's been helpful, no question. But it feels different when it's your own. And yeah. I think it's harder, it's harder <laughs> when it's your own business because you take it a lot more personally. Mm. You know, you're like, oh shit, if they say no, like they don't like me. Mm. You know, I mean, how many times like early on, like I got no's and I was like devastated. Yeah. You know, cause you're like, oh shit, I poured so much time and energy oh into like doing this thing and you get a no and, and you're, you're disappointed. And I get it, I really do. And I think that you you do just like everything. Boy, I sound like a broken record, but like you get better over time. Yeah. Practice brings the detachment that's required. So it's like your job is to go do the sales call or the outreach or the prospecting. Your job is not to prognosticate yeah. what the other people will do. Yeah. That's their decision. Yeah. So it's like you're not trying to convince them. You're really just trying to match make. You know, so mm. to me, I now look at sales in a very different way. It's mm. like, this is what I do. And like if that's a good fit for you, like let's do it. Yeah. And if it's not, that's cool mm-hmm. because I want you to find your match and like go do that yeah that's such a powerful stance and I know that I've I've heard you say that before whenever I was considering taking on a client and I was like whoa that's like leveraging because yeah. you're not coming from a place of weakness being like oh I need your business no. help me you're not in a state you're like hey if you want to work together that'd be cool here's my card like the the energy is much more there's so much more strength with that what is like one other little 
practical sales thing that you learned in your bag of tricks that's like really helped you uh yeah maneuver you know mm-hmm. getting great at sales or just yeah. improving your sales tool belt so i would say one that immediately comes to mind is it's the follow-up you know so um most sales don't really take place until you're into like the seventh, eighth, ninth follow up with someone. And, mm. you know, as impatient humans, we often don't let ourselves get to that point. We think that they've that person, we think that person's already said no. So we back out of the sales cycle often way too soon. And, mm. you know, the parallel I'd give you is like even in my own business, there are people that have reached out two, three years ago and said, I'd really like to work with you as my coach. Cool, that's awesome. We've gone through the whole conversation. Here's what it looks like, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool, I'll follow up with you. So I follow up, I follow up, I follow up. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, whatever. Two years later, they come back around the bend. Now that's a long ass sales cycle and that's not what most of them look like. But the seeds were being planted years before and i think that's the thing to remember is like do the follow-up don't assume anything about what the other person is thinking like just do it anyway and i think another piece of that is like just like don't overthink the process i think we try to like over finesse the message to the point where we're like oh hello i have to sell you this thing and it's like now we're like a fucking robot yes. and like none of it sounds natural and they're like who is this crazy pants yeah like, it's, it's not it's 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 weird it's robotic you've removed all the flair yeah so like just be you and it's Mm. like you've got to know your audience and like how weird you can be and like whatever but yeah you know like breakthrough now we'll say if you want like a real a real pro tip use video Okay, so there are some really neat little software. So like, I'm I'm not I'm not affiliated with any of these, but like, there's Bomb Bomb, Bonjoro, Dub. Um, You can record a little video of you and send it to someone that you're interested in connecting with, Mm. and it's just you. It's just you, like camera to camera, like saying like, Hey, what's up? I just want to connect with you and reach out, and like, that oftentimes really breaks through the clutter. Yes, because people are getting a shitload of emails and they're mostly not reading what they're getting. Mm -hmm. But if you have a video and you've recorded something that is totally custom to that person, yeah, that's a real breakthrough tactic. Wow. I love that. Get some sales on. Oh, my gosh. Well, and it's like, I think that even, because that's obviously, like, we're biased. We're in the video production universe over here. But I've always pitched to people that with brand promo or anything like that, with video, they get to meet you before they perhaps meet you. Yeah. And if you're banging on their door and you've got nine of your competitors also banging on the door, your words in that email might look exactly the same, have the Mm -hmm. same flavor, taste, whatever. So I love that with the video clip because they're like, okay, wait, that's, that's, that's who I would be working with. Well, well, she looks nice. Yeah. All right. She seems, she sounds normal. I could talk to her. Yeah. And yeah, it makes you human, Mm -hmm. right? It makes you relatable. It takes the fear of the unknown. Cause I feel that so much, um, I mean, in, in our experience with, um, our, our branding and in the wedding video universe that it's like we want to let people know like we're it's a human to human service yeah and that's an important element to it so i love that like be human be relevant totally. be relatable and they don't have to read people get tired of is it i mean so tired of reading there's the big joke of like <laughs> nobody reads anymore and whatnot however we had sunny on the podcast and she's like i've been i polish off like three to four books a month we're like well 
I feel unintelligent sitting at this table right now. <laughs> but, you know, um, that's so nice to just have the human make it human because we are in this technology-driven age right now. Mm-hmm. Everything is through a index card of a right. black hole of knowledge. Black hole of device. What's mm-hmm. been... Um, what has been, what do you think, or let me ask you this, what is your function in your relationship with social media? Mm. How do you make social media work for you as from a consumer perspective, you know, someone who mm-hmm. is like, I am taking things in from this, yeah. and then let's look at it from what's your relationship been with it as a business? Yeah. Um, I, I have a love-hate relationship with it, you know, being totally transparent. Uh, addressing sort of the personal side, um, there I really am cognizant of my consumption. Um, I really want to use it, like, as it was intended. Like, I love still staying in touch with people that I am no longer living in the same city in. I mean, when I worked in the beer business, I was in, uh, five different cities in the span of eight years. And so, you know, there's people that have friends scattered all over. And like, mm-hmm. I love being able to continue to connect with them. And to me, that's joyful. Where it turns non-joyful is when I start comparing myself to what I'm seeing and thinking like, shit, I'm not living up. Like, I'm not measuring up. And I know for me, a limiting belief is around I'm not good enough. And mm-hmm. so as soon as I feel that trigger, I'm like, get out of it. Like, yeah. I, this is not good for me. So personally, like, I, I watch the consumption. Now, as it relates to the business, I believe it's a critical part of how we show up in the world. And especially for us, because we are a community-based company. And so we need to have that, like, two-way dialogue with our fans and with our followers. And so to me, it's really important. Now, I don't manage that day-to-day. I have somebody on my team who does. And to me, that's one of the best decisions I've made uh, financially to invest in my business was Mm -hmm. to get that out of my hands. Because... It was a little bit of a slippery slope for me, and I didn't find it joyful, and it wasn't the best use of my time, like at the role that I'm operating in and for what I'm trying to build. So I immediately got it out of my hands as soon as I could financially afford to do it. Yeah. What are other things that, in that terminology of um, investing in your business, Mm -hmm. what were some other things that were maybe scary at first to invest in Mm -hmm. in the infrastructure of your business, but you're like, Holy smokes, that changed my life. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest one was understanding that investing in people was the thing that I needed to do. You know, as as I mentioned before, like as an only child, I grew up fiercely independent, which Mm. meant like, oh, you can figure it out. You can do it on your own. And I spent a lot of time doing that. And also, you know, when most of us start a business, we're bootstrapping our way through so much that you are trying to keep every cost as low as you can. And so you learn how to do everything. You become sort of the jack of all trades. DIY queen. But then you're like, man, this is inefficient. And I really didn't uh, understand how staff was sort of additive. It was like I was kind of looking at it initially as like it's a line item deduction. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, my God, if I have people that are doing these other things, look at what it's freeing up for me to do. Like it is real additive. Mm -hmm. And so even if a staff member is only able to execute something to about like 75 percent, it's still at least 75% that's off my plate. Oh, hmm. all right. And and someone taught me that. I didn't have that understanding. So like out of my mastermind group, like that was something that I learned. And um, 
that's been really the biggest one and like continuing to invest in people it matters you know and and not all of it will be people inside of your business either so sometimes it's like oh hire a dog walker or get that person to deliver your groceries or get someone to come to your house and like mow your yard like whatever it is it's taking things off of your plate so that you're investing your time and your energy into those things that you want mm-hmm. and the things that are really like in your zone of genius you know I love that you tied that into not only directly in the business, but something as practical as like, help me with my groceries, help me with what ties up my weekend off where I'm doing yard maintenance rather than doing whatever it is that you need to Mm -hmm. to truly recharge and get that creative energy back in. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Um, Hillary, this has been awesome. How can people get in touch with you, connect, learn more about Hatch Tribe? Where can they find you? Everything's at HatchTribe.com. So uh, HatchTribe.com, all of our little handles on all the socials are also Hatch Tribe, H-A-T-C-H-T-R-I-B-E. Awesome. That's it. Super easy, short and simple for our viewers. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Please be sure to like, to subscribe. If you have any further questions for Hillary, fire them away in the comments and we'll be sure to circle around. Um, And for our listeners, um, I hope that you live a life today filled with passion and that maybe you make some stories worth telling. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks. Wow! So fun! That was so good. That was great.